Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. And <laughs> you know what? I, I said that a, a whole lot better than the last couple of times I was practicing it, no lie, because it it almost wanted, I almost wanted to add like thunder or rain or if I was doing this on video, be recording from the inside of my closet or somewhere dark. Uh, but it's, that's that's the conclusion that we're at right now, folks. We're, we're in a pretty dark place. We're in a bad place. We're not where we expected to be two months ago. And unfortunately, the road is only going to get tougher from here. The recap for the Broncos Raiders game. I was honestly hoping to come on the, I was going to say on live, to come on and, you know, praise how the offense turned it around and, you know, how great Drew Locke looked and how the running game did great and how the defense played spectacular. But unfortunately, I guess maybe that was a little bit too much to ask for. And everything that I hoped would happen and I expected to happen didn't happen. It was all quite the contrary. The parts of the defense were struggling. Drew Locke struggled even more than against the Falcons game. The coaching staff is just, it's like they're not even there damn near most of the time. Excuse me. (laughs) And the one question that I've been seeing on social media a lot is Tom McMahon. Why is Tom McMahon still on this Broncos team? Why? To quote one of my favorite podcasters, it's 11.02 a.m. Chicago time. Why is that man still on a Broncos team? Why isn't he fired? (laughs) I've been seeing that tweet almost every single, like three or four times on on Twitter. And I, I loved it. I hated it. But I understood it. I mean, that's possibly the worst way or one of the worst ways you can start off a division game, especially a division game against the Raiders, who, if you're a diehard Bronco fan like myself, you just, you hate. And that's saying a lot because, you know, we have to deal with the Super Bowl defending champion Chiefs. We, uh, at this point, the Chargers, yeah, they did look kind of promising, but at least we beat them and we have to play them again. And the Raiders, who will also have to play again at the end of the season in the very last game, this was a this was supposed to be the makeup game from from last week. Last week was supposed to be the statement game. This game was supposed to be the makeup statement game from the last week of the statement game that didn't get made. And I mean, the the thing about it, folks, is Broncos country they're they're just getting tired. They're getting tired, me, myself included. And by that, I mean, most of Broncos country is not used to the standard that the Broncos have been giving us the last five years, and that's losing. Up until the Peyton Manning era, we have been known to have been, you know, turned the tide around, that that was our decade. You know, Peyton Manning and and his coaching staff and the players he, he had on his team, we were riding high, best in the in the division. Kind of like what the Chiefs are going through right now, except their run is gonna hopefully uh, not last as long by me, 
but unfortunately, reality means that as long as Mahomes is throwing a football and he can keep his coaching staff as long as he can, they're going to be a threat. They're not unbeatable, but they're going to be a threat. And this game, unfortunately, instead of being an advancement of Drew Locke, it was a regression of Drew Locke. And I have been one of his top supporters since the very beginning, since week one, you know, and uh, the first thing I knew I was going to read on social media after the game was just, you know, not even after the game, during the game, people were, were bashing him and, and I, I get it rightly so. Drew Locke did almost every rookie mistake in the book and I, I can understand why Broncos fans were calling for his head, but you have to realize something, guys. Even though Drew Locke played like shit, the guys behind him are not the answer. They honestly aren't. Brett Rippon, he's a decent backup quarterback, but you have to remember, this is the same guy who threw three picks against the Jets and almost cost us that game. He won it, but by sheer luck. So he was just one pick less than what Drew Locke did against the Raiders. And Jeff Driscoll, outside of that impressive Pittsburgh Steelers game where he almost was able to clutch a, a win by, and we only lost by five, you know, the following week against Tampa Bay, you know, he, he shit the bed. It was, it was terrible. So I, I, I honestly, I would rather keep going with Drew Locke just to see what we have in store with him. Now, if he gets benched because he got hurt, that's one thing. And I can understand why Vic Fangio uh, insisted on keeping him in the game because he needs to see if he's the guy. You know, that's been the number one question that everybody's been asking in Broncos country over the last couple of weeks is, is Drew Locke the guy? Is he the man that's going to be the franchise quarterback and take this team and, you know, try to go toe-to-toe with uh, Derek Carr and, and Patrick Mahomes and whoever uh, else comes in front of the this Broncos team? And unfortunately, to in, in, in Drew Locke's case, this was not what he needed. This was a total regression on everything that anybody who stood up for Drew Locke has has said uh, in his favor over the last uh, two, three weeks maybe. So basically from what I saw, it, it almost seemed like he took everything that we said about him uh, uh, after that Atlanta game, you know, and then him saying I can be better. And it's kind of like he forced himself to to try to be better out there. Now, I don't know if the plays where he got picked were him just trying to force the ball or if it was coming from uh, the offensive coordinator that just told him, you know, just just go for it. If you see somebody open, just throw the ball. But those four picks, aside from the last one, the last one was just, a, as much as I hate to say it, just an amazing catch by Kwiatkowski. Um, they, they looked like they were forced. Like, it was just Drew Locke trying to force the ball 
so he can turn around and say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. But unfortunately, when you force things like that and it goes the other way, sometimes the risk isn't really worth the reward. You know, like on that on that last drive just before halftime, Drew Locke had run in for the touchdown, and but it got called back because of a holding call. So, you know, like most Broncos fans, I thought that, you know, maybe they would go for something vanilla and, you know, let McManus get a field goal and go go in the, uh, go into half to, uh, the tunnels at halftime, you know, just not by, by trailing that much. Throwing in the middle of the end zone is one of the most dangerous places for any quarterback to throw because, you know, some defenses can hide, can disguise pretty well and what you think is open one second can be closed the second the next second the ball leaves your hand and i saw that play a couple times and i saw what drew lock saw and i know why he he threw it he thought that jerry judy was going to slant in and get and get open but unfortunately he didn't see the defender behind jerry judy who just jumped the route and basically picked him off and it was just one of those like some people said it was ill-advised like why would you throw it uh, it, it it just seemed it just seemed wrong like it was the wrong play and if it wasn't the right play then it was the wrong guy to target so you could flip a coin and to me you'd get the same result but Drew Locke needs to be better if he's gonna make a case for himself that you know he he wants to be the guy or that he is going to be the guy the franchise guy so that the Broncos don't go sniffing around for another veteran quarterback in free agency or try to trade up well you can't even do that if you wanted to because I don't think the Broncos would land anywhere close to the top three where they can get uh you know somebody like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever else is prospected to be a, a good quarterback in the draft this coming season or offseason I should say but I, it's, 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 it's frustrating. It really is. The coaching, uh, they got away from the running game. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I, at first I thought he was hurt. <laughs> but it turns out that no, he wasn't hurt. They just they were forcing Drew Locke to, to throw the ball downfield. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Let's look at some stats, folks. Let's start with Drew Locke. Drew Locke had 23 completions for 47 attempts. He had 257 yards, one uh, garbage time touchdown to Deshaun Hamilton, and four interceptions. With a QBR, if I'm not mistaken, of I read it was like 30, 38, I think, which is just it's pretty terrible. It's it's not good. Melvin Gordon had 11 rushes. And he fought for those 46 yards. I mean, that man was... There were a couple times where it looked like he was stopped at the line of scrimmage, but he turned, he, he stomped, and he pushed his way in for four of those 46. Royce Freeman was second with two carries and 11 yards. Drew Locke was uh, uh, two carries also with seven yards. And Philip Lindsay rounds out the bottom with four carries for only two yards. Two yards. I mean... <laughs> How does that happen? I mean, it it just it's 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 mind-boggling when when you think about it. 
It, it really is. And, and I'm at a loss for... I, I honestly don't know. Well, to quote what Vic Fangio said, everybody's fingerprints were on this game, on this loss. And that's true. The offensive line was terrible. Drew Locke was terrible. Uh, the, the running game was damn near uh, obsolete, if not absent. Uh, special teams was, was terrible. The only shining light, the only player that stood out was Bryce Callahan which we will get into uh, later on in this podcast. But these these other numbers, they're, 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 they're not good. You know, Deshaun, uh, even though he had a touchdown, he also had a lost fumble. Uh, so did Drew Locke. He had a fumble, but he recovered it. Uh, Jerry Judy, four receptions for 68 yards, no touchdowns. He was targeted eight times. Tim Patrick, four receptions for 61 yards, targeted six times. But K.J. Hamler led with four receptions, and he was targeted 10 times, but he only had 50 yards. And that's also another thing I wanted to address was the that whole incident with Tim Patrick. And I, I don't even know who the hell he got into a, a scuffle with. I, I get it that the Broncos weren't in a good position when that, when that whole thing goes down, but you also have to try to have some type of um, like keep your mind, keep your head in the game. You know, you, your quarterback is struggling. Your, your whole offense is struggling and you need to try to find a way to rile the team together and try to get this win. And I know it's the Raiders and, you know, division rivalries are always ugly. Nine times out of 10, most, most players don't like each other. But when you do something stupid, like throw a punch, knowing you're going to get yourself ejected from the game. That just puts your team in an even more fucked up place than they were when they started. Now, I know from what I, I saw the, the fight. I know that uh, Tim Patrick wasn't the one that started it, but he followed it up. And following it up is just as bad as the, as the one who started it. And sometimes aggression gets the best of you. It makes you do stupid things. And when you get yourself kicked out, well, that, you know, you just added more burden, more problem, more trouble for a team, a young team at that, you know, trying to find their, trying to find their calling, I guess you could say at this point. And the the coaching, I know I said this in a previous episode, it, it needs to get better. Like Vic Fangio needs to get into people's asses and... I don't know if you saw the game last night, the Monday night football game between the Vikings and um, and the Bears. When Cordero Patterson at the start of the third quarter ran a kickback return for a touchdown, the coach got into what I'm guessing was the special teams coach, but I mean he got in his ass about it, yelling and screaming and all that. That's exactly what we need in Denver. That's what we need Vic Fangio to do. If Tom McMahon fucks up, Get in his ass about it. If Drew Locke is playing like shit, get on his ass about it. Especially if you're going to do something like leave him in the game and not bench him. If you're going to do something like that, you need to show initiative. You need to show fire. You need to show passion. You know, and and Vic, and Vic when they pan to Vic, he's just like standing there with his arms crossed. You know, like, okay, I get it. But you're the head coach. All of this shit runs at the end of the day through you. 
so your players are a reflection of who you are. Like, I, I love Vic. I love what he did with the Bears defense in 2018. I love what he's done with the defense currently. But he's the one that has the most to try to prove. Because, you know, a lot of people doubted him when he came on board as a first-time head coach, especially at his age. But I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, well, you know, maybe he has untapped potential. All of the football knowledge that he's accrued over the years, maybe he can find a way to translate that into, you know, being a a great head coach. But unfortunately, so far, that hasn't really happened. And to his credit, you know, of course, the injuries, uh, it's not his fault that uh, so many players got injured. and, And I totally get that. And at the moment of this recording, I'm not exactly calling for his head. I think that he's going to, as long as John Elway is in charge, Vic Fangio is going to have a job at the moment. Now, if the Broncos go on and have more shitty games like this, then the hot seat might get turned up a little more than Vic Fan, what Vic Fangio might expect to, to see in 2021. Because if, if this shit goes on next year, I don't think John Elway is going to wait until the end of the season. He, he might decide to... I, I'm just I'm just saying I'm not saying it's going to happen it's a probability but for most coaches when the hot seat gets turned on it doesn't get turned off until that head coach is out the door so I I do hope that Vic finds a way to connect with his players to you know I, I, he he does he does he does rile them up when the Broncos win I'm pretty sure everybody's seen the that locker room video from the, the after the Chargers game, which is great. But just like you celebrate with your team, you have to also get on their case when they play like shit. You, you know, find areas of improvement, find ways to get them, and just basically try to get you know people motivated, get them riled up. If if shit isn't happening during the game, you got to keep a way to keep the momentum straight, you know, to keep spirits high because towards the end of that Raiders game, it almost seemed like the defense was just like giving up. Like they weren't even really trying, you know, especially when you let former players score on you, like letting Devontae Booker run in for two touchdowns. That was just insult to injury, man. They could have used Josh Jacobs, but they, I'm pretty sure Gruden wanted to, um, you know, kind of lay it in play it in good using Devontae Booker to run in for two touchdowns and John Gruden is that he's that motherfucker that if he gets a chance to rub it in he'll rub it in and let me tell you because I just heard I didn't know about this I just heard this this morning after the Raiders won uh, against the Chiefs the, the couple weeks ago and gave them their first loss the Raiders drove around Arrowhead Stadium just kind of like trolling the Chiefs like that is some fucked up shit but you know it being John Gruden it doesn't fucking surprise me and but I, I digress it, it it all starts with coaching Pat Shermer he had some really big shoes to fill because he kind of came in unexpectedly unbeknownst to anyone not named John Elway and Vic Fangio and currently the Broncos are where they were last year when Joe Flacco was, you know, rounding the turn and starting to be not the guy after, if I'm not mistaken, 
by this time last year, I think we were just getting ready to bring in Drew Locke or close to bringing in Drew Locke. So I'm still trying to be as optimistic as I can about Shermer. And by that, I mean, you know, seeing that, you know, Shermer pulls some some playbook we haven't seen yet. And just like Scangarello did with with uh, with Locke last year, where, you know, Locke came in on, on fire and started making plays and putting up points and getting wins. I'm still hoping we can see that because uh, what I'm trying not to do, folks, or um, not me exactly, but what I'm trying not to see is every time that the Denver Broncos seem to get some momentum or some type of spark, like some somebody in the organization changes it. Mostly it's John Elway. Like the thing with Scangarello, I wasn't big on getting Pat Shermer. I think that we would have been just fine had we just stuck with Scangarello and given him you know, another chance at, let's see what Scangarello could have done with Drew Locke for 16 games instead of the, what was it, like the four or five he got. Now, Scangarello probably would have struggled if he just still stayed on and then he doesn't have Cortland Sutton, you know, uh, an in and out hurt Noah Fant. And, but it, it, it's just, it leaves it up. It, it's a what if situation now. And, if the Broncos fire Pat Shermer at the end of the season, if he even makes it that far by this recording, then I feel like it'll be another step back for Drew Locke because then they'll have to bring in another offensive coordinator who I, I won't, you know, I'm not going to judge because I, I don't know who it is, but depending who it be, it'll have to be another way, another playbook to learn for the offense, another playbook to learn with Drew Locke. It's another gamble that, you know, hopefully Drew Locke picks up on whatever the new offensive coordinator runs, unless it's Gangarello. If they bring back Gangarello, then it's like, okay, I, I, I think we'll be fine, but I, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, but it, it's just, it's it, it, John John Elway's between a rock and a hard place right now because if it's like the if the the offense doesn't improve by the end of the season, does he go back and you know risk getting regressing even more with his offense by bringing in a new play caller? Because I don't see John Elway trading or cutting Drew Locke because that was his guy, and to this point he's still his guy. So I don't see them giving up on Drew Locke just yet. Um, but. The offensive line, also, they have not been playing up to par. They have not been opening up the holes for guys like Lindsey and, and Melvin Gordon to run through and, you know, kind of try to take off some of the, the stress on, on Drew Locke's back when it not always trying to rely on Drew Locke's arm to, you know, to, to score points or win a game. Uh, so far, Dalton Reisner, it's like he took a step back from what he was last year. Uh, Berry, I say this almost every episode, he's a rookie, he's still learning, he's going to struggle, but hopefully whatever he's learning now, he can use to his advantage in improving, uh, for next season. Uh, Garrett Bowles, uh, his only biggest thing is, you know, maybe getting a flag, but unfortunately, as even though he's the only one on that offensive line that, you know, actually played better than the others. He also, 
you know has to take some flack because they're supposed to be working as one one unit you know keeping a pocket clean keeping a pocket open so that the offense can do their job and if the offensive line is beaten at the point of attack then there's not really much the running game can do and it's always Drew Locke running and throwing off of his back foot uh, Gla- uh, Graham Glasgow I was hoping he'd come back stronger and fiercer being having been out those two weeks but unfortunately he's he hasn't really shown any type of improvement if anything he showed some form of regression uh, Calvin Anderson uh, he did, he played a decent game having to come in for DeMar Dotson uh, on the right tackle position but like I said the offensive line if they don't work as, as one and one part of that line is not being the strong point then they as a unit are fail are gonna fail they're gonna struggle they're not gonna keep their quarterbacks straight they're not gonna open up those holes for the running game and it's it's an issue it's it's basically the opposite of what we had in mind um for mike munchak's uh team so hopefully munchak can do something with those other guys maybe use garrett bowles as an anchor as an example of like hey if you don't shape if you don't shape up you're gonna ship out type of thing but he's got to do something because right now graham glasgow is looking like a bust for the john elway free agency choice and it's the right tackle i mean it's not elway's fault that uh Jawan james decided to back out but if this pandemic thing doesn't pan out next season and you know players are given the choice again to you know either play or sit out and Jawan james takes that choice and you know then we're right back to square one damn near so um it just this whole offensive team has been I, I get it guys has been a huge letdown you know we were expecting to be this this powerhouse that can you know go to toe with the Chiefs and blow out the the lower leaf teams like the Falcons and the Chargers and even the Raiders but it it's been the opposite it it's literally has this offense went out there and made the Raiders defense look like they were the best defense in the league when they're honestly not you know I, I, I give them credit they got four four interceptions on on Drew Locke but I honestly don't see the Raiders getting four more interceptions in a game against any other upcoming team that isn't the Broncos I don't see them doing that to the Chiefs I don't maybe they can do that to when they play the Chargers again but I to be honest with you it's it could happen again at the end of the season when uh when De- when the Raiders come play Denver but even even then I don't think so because if the Raiders are in a wild card or in a playoff spot they might decide to sit out their their starters and they'll bring in their their B and C teams and you know then it'll be the other way around and if Denver is eliminated then it'll be Denver stomping the Raiders and you know looking like the they should have the during the first face off but it just I I want to I want to sit here and tell you guys my listeners to you know be patient and you know have faith and all that but 
unfortunately, there's a there's a battle line that's been drawn for this offense, and it's either you support Drew Locke or you don't. It's you support Pat Shermer or you don't. And at this point, I can't sit here and honestly tell you, you know, to, to keep hope alive or whatever because Drew Locke has, give, has shown us so far that he doesn't really from what he's he's done that he doesn't it almost seems like he doesn't really care so it's right now people just need to you need to choose your side if you're gonna you know back back up drew lock and say hey look it was another bad game then you know it'll it'll get better then great you can you can be on on this side of the team because that's where i'm standing me personally, I, I said I was going to stand with Drew Locke through the good and the bad. And unfortunately, I have to live through my words. Even though I don't agree with the decisions he made in this game, the, the throws he made and the, the choices he picked, they were all shit. They were all fucked up. That's on Drew. And that's something he has to learn to work out. Because it doesn't matter who his offensive coordinator is. If he keeps making those bad choices, then he's just going to keep throwing more interceptions and touchdowns. And then that's going to become an issue. As far as Pat Shermer goes, I'm just like I said, I'm going to give Shermer till the end of the season to see if if he's the guy, and if he's not, whoever Denver decides to bring in, hopefully it's it doesn't affect Drew Locke and that offense a lot, where it's like like I said earlier, a, a big regression going backwards, and it's it's just like I'm at a loss for words. I honestly am. But if you take anything away from the first half of this podcast in terms of the offense, it's that hopefully things will get better as we go towards the end of the season from here on out. And that I don't have to sit here and try to wonder and guess and find a way to hype up myself where I can say, hey, it's going to be great. It's going to be okay." When in reality, it doesn't look like it will. But as a Bron- as a diehard Broncos fan, I'm trying to stay positive, trying to keep hope alive that you know things will turn around and we can come back and you know find a more happier things to say about this offense. But anyway, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back after these kind words. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we had a nice little chat about the offense and how unfortunately bad they played against this Raiders team. But now it's time to talk about the defense. And this front D-line without Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell, it's just as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I give credit to the guys that are coming in. They're, I know they're doing their best. But when you don't, when you can't get in there and you can't pressure the quarterback to escape or, you know, bat down, try to bat down a pass or two or, or do anything that, you know, guys like Shelby Harris and Mike Purcell have set a standard of doing, then that's a problem. Our pass rushers, Malik Reed and, and, and um, Bradley Chubb, I, I made a joke on Twitter where I was like, I just finished my carton of milk and I looked on the side of it and it just so happens to say, you know, missing 
Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed please return to Denver if found. Um, so, unfortunately, they, they've taken, the pass rush has taken a really a, a big step backwards. And I thought that the coming back of Jeremiah Atachu would be more invigorating and, you know, would make the pass rush more fierce. But even Atachu's been, been struggling. I mean, there were no sacks on, on Derek Carr the entire game. Not one sack. He got maybe pressured a couple of times. And I think he was hit a time or two. But he was never sacked. And that's just... I mean, that's, that's just, it, it just... It sucks to say. It sucks to hear. Because if it's one thing that... If you're a Broncos fan, then you know the Broncos are really good at. It's rushing the passer. And that it's uh, in itself, you know, brings in another question. And that's about Von Miller. We were all happy to see the progression that Von Miller has been making on his um, ankle injury. And that, you know, Von has said multiple times that he wants to come and come back and play. But you have to think about it at this point. Do you want Von to come back and, and, you know, and try to play for a team that goes out and plays like that? Like, is it really worth it? Or do you just, you know, send him a message like, hey, look, man, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, just, you know, take just take the rest of the time off, you know, so you don't risk yourself getting COVID again. And, you know, so you can heal 100 percent and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the offseason. But at the same time, I, I understand Vaughn because Vaughn wants to play. He loves football. I'm sure he's just as frustrated as we are having to watch his game on his TV from home. And the only difference is he probably feels even because he knows that should be him out there getting to Derek Carr. That should be him out there getting to Matt Ryan and, you know, having to introduce himself to, um, to a Justin Herbert for the very first time of Herbert's career. And it, that sucks. And as much as I really want to see Von Miller play in a Broncos uniform this season, like I sit back and I th- and I think to myself, you know, why is this is this what we want? Do we really want to bring Von? I don't even want to say rush because it, it might be rushed, but it's like, do you really want to bring him on and? the Broncos don't look like playoff contenders and they get, you know, mathematically eliminated early. And do you just treat the rest of your, the, your remaining games as just like early preseason practice in case we don't have another preseason next year? Or it's, it leaves a lot of variables open, but it's also kind of concerning because at this point we have to kind of start thinking about a life without Von Miller. You know, Von Miller is not going to be the Von Miller of old for very much longer. And this season was kind of like a a wake-up call, if you will, on what life without Von is going to be like. Bradley Chubb is supposed to be the guy to, you know, take the torch for when Von Miller leaves. But unfortunately, Bradley Chubb, he has, you know, a, a good game or two, and then for like three games or so he disappears now I don't know if it's he can't he's not pushing himself because of that ACL injury maybe it's nagging him 
or if it's you know Fangio's coverage plays where he drops them out of pass or is it the rotation I I honestly can't tell you what what the what the problem is but the fact that he's not playing up to par is is troubling and this is a guy who should be going out there and proving to Broncos country like hey I got this especially knowing that you know Von Miller he's, he's covering for an injured Von Miller and it shouldn't have to take Von Miller to come back to try to make Bradley Chubb relevant again it really shouldn't you should be able to take both Malik Reed and, and Atachi and put him on his back and you know if he can't get the sack force him force the quarterback to run the other way and give the other pass rusher a chance to get at him or give, you know, the nose or defensive tackle a chance to get, you know, force the pocket to close or force the quarterback to make an irrelevant throw. But when you can't provide that type of pressure and you give quarterback time to throw, time to find an open receiver, that's a huge problem. And it just, this offseason is going to be really hard in terms of, um, you know, trying to, to move and, and money around and, you know, decide who to keep and who to let walk uh, type of thing. Uh, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, uh, they were kind of quiet this this whole, this game. They didn't make any really great plays. And I'm starting to be concerned about that because these are the two guys that I really had high hopes for in the secondary coming in you know especially since Justin Simmons is supposed to be having this breakout season so he can go to the table during the offseason and say hey pay me my money but unfortunately he hasn't really accrued a lot of tape on video to, to command a big salary he has some film but at this point I don't know if it's enough to you know make John Elway take a chance on him so he has to turn it around Kareem Jackson, it. I think he took my advice from the last two weeks a little too seriously when I told him to cool down. I told him to cool down, but I didn't tell him to disappear altogether. Uh, he had like one or two good plays, but aside from that, his um, he kind of took a step backwards from what he was last year. Last year, Kareem Jackson was a was a star. He was he was a great pickup from free agency, and now it's kind of like. You know what it feels like? It it feels like that that one guy at work when who gets hired, but let's say he was like attempt to hire, and his attempt to hire he like you know he played or, or worked fantastic. He did everything he's supposed to do. He had great reviews and all that. But once he gets hired because he knows he's in, then he you know he starts to slack off. He kind of takes things a little easier, and you know it's it's not as impressive and good as it was from the start. That's what I feel Kareem Jackson has going for him right now. So, but he has to understand that he's not exactly all that safe. You know, he's, he's getting up there in age. I think he's going to be 31, 32. So if, you know, if he doesn't get any, any good numbers going and improvement or whatever, then, you know, the Broncos could decide to ship him out or, or trade him or whatever. And it, it would suck because behind Kareem Jackson, there's really no depth. unless the Broncos get some big name in free agency or they take a chance in the draft. And by the way, where the hell was Ojemudia? 
<laughs> was he hurt? Did he? I didn't see his name on the on the inactive list. How come he didn't play this game? Why was he saying Bassey out there? He's saying Bassey was struggling. AJ Bouye was also struggling. It's like he rushed out of um, concussion protocol just to come out and play. The only bright light on this um, defense was Bryce Callahan. Bryce Callahan's coverage has been fantastic. He only had one bad play, and that's where he almost got beat. And that was uh, that's only because Darren Waller didn't catch that touch uh, that ball in the end zone for a, a possible touchdown. That was the only that I saw, the only bad play that Callahan made. But other than that, his coverage was great. He had a, he was able to get the ball most of, to get to the ball most of the time and forcing completions, just like a cornerback should. So the fact that one side of, of the corners is doing better than the other, it's it's concerning, especially seeing as as the especially seeing as what the Broncos gave up and are paying AJ Bouye to be a top cornerback. And you know, again, the depth isn't all that great. I mean, it's good. We got uh, Devontae Bosby back, and hopefully he'll be able to come and play this coming week against uh, Miami. But it's not something that you should heavily rely on. Especially when you're supposed to be getting top-tier play from, from your cornerback. A.J. Bouye should be playing great football like Callahan. It shouldn't be Callahan outshining Bouye. It, it really shouldn't. Especially seeing as how Callahan was out for a whole fucking year. And, and A.J. Bouye played his whole season with the, with the Jaguars. So... It, but like I said earlier in this podcast, it almost seems like the defense is getting tired of this of carrying the offense type of shit. It honestly does, and it seems. And I know that the defense gets gassed, especially in the second half when the offense can't put up points. But it almost it, you kind of don't want to think it, or you don't want to see it, or you don't want to believe it. But it almost feels like the defense just kind of gives up. Especially when your quarterback gives up four fucking interceptions. And you're sitting there thinking like, oh shit, I just fucking sat down. Or I just, I just, I'm not even finished drinking my Gatorade. And I got to go back out there. It's like, fuck. So I get the defense's frustration. I honestly do. And by the way, why the fuck is Devontae Harris still on this football team? How? Why is he not cut? How is Duke Dawson, for that matter, still on this fucking football team? How is this our bottom cornerback depth? Like, I don't I don't get it. I, I honestly don't. Devontae Harris almost caused a special team's uh, fumble ruski by running into his own guy. And getting hurt, no less. So, it's... I mean, I don't know. Maybe Tom McMahon has a has a hard-on or a soft spot for Devontae Harris where he thinks he plays a whole lot better as special teams than he does cornerback. But let me tell you, if that's the case, I strongly fucking disagree with that. That is no way in any way, shape, or form true. But the, the, the defense has just got to be like, hey, man, we're getting tired of your shit. This has been going on for almost five fucking years. 
and it's like the, the the offense has shown flashes of brilliance but they've also shown flashes of of not brilliance of crapulence <laughs> i guess you could say and there's just there's just there's gonna come a time where you know you start to lose the locker room and that's where i think vic fangio is i think that vic fangio is he might not realize it but he might be starting to lose the locker room and when you start losing the locker room not only do you go back to living in that world of suck you you, you go and buy a timeshare there or build a fucking mansion there like the jets and the and the jaguars do have so i i hope it doesn't come to that because you know if you saw that press conference when when vic came aboard it, it seemed like you know especially vaughn was probably one of the most happier guys to see Vic Fangio come to Denver. And hell, I was happy too. But it's that's one thing that that Vic cannot let happen. He cannot let uh you know that that team be divided. It can't be Broncos offense versus Broncos defense, you know, always be at at each other's throats and at ends and hold grudges and all that shit. That shit has to stop with him. It, it really does. And like I said earlier in this episode, Vic needs to get a hold of things. He needs to get a reign of things. He needs to find a way to turn this shit around. Because when he starts getting his own guys fighting against each other, then that implosion is just, it, it's just gonna, it's gonna happen sooner than later. And it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be bad. And you don't want to try to coach a divided locker room. You don't want, you, you just don't want that. Because then, then that's when you're going to have to start getting rid of people to try to fix it. On both sides of the ball. Hell, even special teams. So, uh, unfortunately for, for Vic Fangio, I think he has his work cut out for him in that department. But to, to you know, kind of summarize this entire episode, changes need to happen. And they honestly do. And I'm talking about changes that Vic Fangio, that start with him. Because if he doesn't find any ways to change things and it gets forced on John Elway, you know, kind of like a, hey, fix it, fix this shit or, or else. As, as close as John Elway is with, um, with the family, with the Pat Bowling family. <laughs> Sorry, his name escaped from me for a second. With the Pat Bowling family. Even though they might not fire John Elway, I'm pretty sure they won't be afraid to kind of shit on him about things. And, you know, John Elway has his own shit to worry about in terms of, you know, dealing with the players that he thought were great acquisitions in the offseason. And so far, they've either been uh, busts or, uh, you know, got hurt and they're looking like a bust. So the last thing John Elway needs on his on his table is to try to deal with all the shit going on that Vic Fangio isn't isn't doing because like I said if Vic Fangio can't do it and he can't be the guy to turn this team around then John Elway's gonna have to look for someone else to do so and if it wasn't for the pandemic I think that Vic Fangio's job would really be on the line like a lot more than it probably is right now because then it's like he'd be in the same boat as what Vance Joseph was. Vance Joseph only got two years before he shipped out in 2018. 
so um no what was it 20 no it was 2019 sorry he came in for 17 and 18 yeah sorry 2019 so but unfortunately the pandemic is not going to be able to bail out Vic Fangio if he gets a third season and he might not even make it that far if the Broncos don't don't turn it around <clears throat> now I know that um Drew Locke took a really nasty injury and you know they said he was playing with uh not broken ribs but like like swollen or hurt ribs or whatever but even even I can't condone that gameplay on 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 that type of injury because if that were really the case I would have thought that Vic Fangio would have subbed ripping you know and you know try to give Locke a breather here or two and you know try to confuse the Raiders on on in that uh, the Raiders defense on that front but even doing that I don't think would have been enough to try to win that game and like I said I I get Drew Locke's um I want to say tenacity I get what he's trying to do but at the same time if Drew's gonna be that guy he needs to show that he can step up and be that leader. If his guys are down, hey, you know, rile them up. Get them back in this game. Try to keep spirits high. That shit that went down with Tim Patrick, Drew should have went over to him before he got, before he walked out. And it's like, hey, man, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I need you here. Why are you, you know, this is stupid. You know, he needs to be that guy. But unfortunately, after that second interception and, you know, the camera pan to, you know, a dejected Drew Locke just walking to the back to the to the line, you know, that pretty much summed up the Broncos season. It's just like just, you know, head down. And if you're home, you know, you're like me, just take off your Broncos jersey and it's like fold it away and save it for next week. Or just, if you're in bed, just crawl, turn around, and like, eh, what else is on? Type of thing. But, unfortunately, I'm I'm not that type of person. I, I watch my team play through the end, whether it's them getting blown out or, you know, or being the ones blowing out a team. Because you have to understand something, folks. You have to be here for the bad as you are here for the good. And I get it. There hasn't been a lot of good lately. But hopefully that changes. Hopefully somebody on that staff, you know, finds a way to reignite this team and try to turn things around. And even if we don't make it to the playoffs this season, we need to find a way to try to go into the offseason with some type of hope. Kind of like the one we got towards the end of last season where it's like hey we didn't make the postseason yeah it fucking sucks but you know Drew Locke is looking like he's going to be the guy and you know things are going to be looking up better once we find out deal with free agency and the draft and hopefully we get an off season next year and, and all that because we cannot end the season on just like well that's basically we cannot end the season like that game that's, that's, that's my whole point. We cannot end that with Julak throwing four more interceptions and, and the Raiders sending the Broncos. Well, not even sending the Broncos. They'll play in Denver or the Raiders flying back to Las Vegas or driving or whatever with another with a division win. That, that honestly can't happen. <clears throat> but 
as as much as I'd like to sit here and, and, and tell you guys that things are going to be better, I it, that's kind of hard to say because we got Miami coming up. We have a New Orleans team coming up, and they might not have Drew Brees because of an, uh, a serious rib injury that he maintained. But Jameis Winston, he's, he's no pushover, and you can't count them out yet. The only win that looks like for sure is against Carolina. And even that can be questionable because if you can't win against a team like the Falcons and the Raiders, the Panthers can just come in and and, and, and just win. They have the same chance of winning just like the Raiders and the Falcons did. And that would really be a nail in somebody's coffin, I honestly think. Because the Broncos cannot... They already used their bad game coupon against the Chiefs. Who we also have to play again, mind you. So there is no there is no way that we can look at an and and have another shitty game. This Raiders game should not have been a shitty game. It we there's no more coupons for that. There's no more excuses. So with that being said, guys. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to today's show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you guys can follow me on social media, on Twitter. Uh, My handle is A, the number 6, FT10, Mexican, all together. Uh, And if you want to email me about the show and you have questions, ideas, or suggestions, you can email me at broncostalk2020 at gmail.com. And if if you're listening on Anchor and you want to be a monthly supporter, I'd really appreciate it. And I'll uh, give you a shout out every single episode and find... I'm still trying to find a way, like a reward system for for that type of thing. I know I haven't really been pushing it, but I'm still trying to find ways to grow. And by that, I mean I'm I'm trying to find a way. I know that Anchor, which is where I, I publish and broadcast from... It, it spreads it out to different uh, podcasting um, services. So you might not be listening to this on Anchor. You might be listening to it on Google or Apple or where, wherever, how, how far this stretches out. But I'm trying to find and come up with different segments for the offseason. Because uh, this Bronco breakdown that I came up with, it's, it's been doing pretty good, at, at least by my terms. So, And that's thanks to you guys, the listeners. So thank you guys for coming in and always having to sit down and listen to uh, what I have to say about our beloved Broncos. But I actually have another segment coming, and that's me sitting down and talking with either a friend of mine or, or a fan. More than more than anything, a fan from an opposing team, and not some from from another team. And just try to get an understanding of how it is in their situation. You know, try to see things from a, a different set of eyes. How they see the Broncos and how we see, you know, whoever it is that they root and cheer for. And try to get a better un- idea and understanding of the situation at hand. And, you know, maybe come up with some ideas on how we can improve as a team. But that's just seeing things from an outside perspective, you know. So my first guest is going to be one of my best friends. He's a diehard Chicago Bears fan. And if you saw the game yesterday, then, you know, he's going to have a lot to say on his mind, just as I feel the same way about this one. So 
that episode will be hopefully i'll be able to drop it sometime this week if not it'll be dropped next week uh keep your eyes on my social media for when that episode drops and also i almost forgot to mention the mile high round pot uh round table podcast which i'm also a faithful member of with my good friends glenn mike and christy we go live every thursday and we talk about the events from the week before and we look into the upcoming matchups that the broncos have and this week should be a doozy so make sure you guys tune in we live stream on youtube and twitter and facebook and i believe there's another one i don't remember which the fourth one but yeah follow us at at mhrt for more information and broadcast broadcast dates and times and with that being said guys thanks for listening and i'll see you later listeners and citizens of broncos country